When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How does Steph Curry train? What new tricks has he added this year? What are the keys to functional movement that can unlock your game? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I am pleased to bring on the show Brandon Payne who is the personal development coach for Steph Curry and a guy who uh, we can never seem to have enough time to speak about basketball whenever we get together. So, Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Well, let's discuss what happened last night for a minute because on Twitter some people were freaking out. But uh, Steph Curry had a move where he basically uh, you know, does a shot fake off of a dribble and then mm-hmm. gets to the basket and finishes. And I thought... You know, I know you saw it last night. We had some people who were pretty upset on Twitter that they thought it was the it's the demolition of what fundamentals are supposed to be. It's a travel, it's a carry, it's all these things. So, yeah. can you can you walk us through the evolution of that move for Steph and why it it is perfectly legal? Yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about the steal, the transition where he hesitated and went to the basket off of a tight inside out. Um, you know, I think when you when you first see it, it, it happens. It almost looks like it's a reverse carry, so his hand turns to the inside. Um, but what it is, it's really nothing more than a tight, very, very tight inside out dribble with no shoulder movement. Um, it is something that we work on. And, and part of the part of the what makes that move so difficult is the fact that it, there is a change of pace in how the dribble happens. And, you know, so he the, the 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 shot fake or it's not really a shot fake or the lack thereof is the fact that he gets to the top or gets to the three point line. And really hesitates, really changes speeds, not only with his feet, but also with the ball. And he just turns his index finger and his middle finger just so ever so slightly to the inside of the basketball and pushes it towards the lane. That's nothing more than an inside-out dribble. So it's not a palm, it's not a carry, it's certainly not a travel Um you know, it's just something that we're not used to seeing, and it just looks different. I think the, also the key here is the left hand does come up and gets oh so close to the ball. Oh yeah, without yeah. actually touching. Which I get, that, that, that's the key here for me is that that's what when you can tell he's practiced that, and that's a skill to really make sure you get that left hand moving like you're going to shoot it right. Absolutely, and you know, listen, I have no problem saying we, you know, we're going to try to push things as as far as we can. Um, in terms of what we can do with footwork and what we can do with the ball without being a traveler, without being a carry, just simply because the players in the NBA are so good. They're so long, so athletic. They're such good defenders that, you know, you have to get really creative with the ball and with your feet. Um, and, and you, you got to do it within the, you know, the, the parameters of the rules, but you certainly have to push everything right up to the edge of them uh, to make sure you're exhausting every uh, potential opportunity to create space and score. 
Absolutely. That's what's exciting about the game, that there, there's more to to get to. They were not finished evolving here. Uh, I think the feet, by the way, is also a really key component that people might not notice as much because he's simulating a jump shot with his feet. And I know that the, the shot fake involved with the hands is also a real thing for the defender to get confused on, but... I don't know. I feel like when I watch the rhythm of that and you watch the feet go left, right, it's almost almost a hop in there. Uh, that is also the rhythm that throws the defender off. I mean, he literally is so completely uh, <laughs> uh, confused by that. And have we, we've seen this move a little bit, and I'm kind of curious. Like, you work on a lot of different moves all summer long. And, um, you know, how, how do you think that that works? What does the decision-making process go? Like, do you think that Steph was working on that move before the game and like, it came to him then? Or, like, how does that, how does that decision-making process work when he chooses that move versus other ones? That was something that we actually worked on this past weekend. So, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, is, it is the preseason, and it is a time for you to, to try some things. You have a little bit of freedom. You know, the, the outcome of the game is not necessarily very important. So you've got the freedom to try some things and, and you know, kind of test out some of the newer stuff that we've worked on in the offseason. So uh, that was something that we worked on. Um, actually, we didn't work on it in a transition setting like that. We worked on it in a retreat setting um this past weekend so uh the fact that he was able to to take it and put it into to play in a you know in a different you know basically a different scenario is pretty impressive uh so you know i'm I'm happy he tried it does that happen sometimes where you realize you know what you've forgotten this great move that we worked on you know in the middle of the year does that happen absolutely i mean you know the one of the things that i talked to steph about and, and the other guys that i work with is is we don't we're not practicing choreography so you know, we're not saying anytime I work with them, you, you know, you go from this move to this move to this move. What we do is we just give them a baseline, a set of footwork skills and a baseline set of ball handling moves. And we allow them to stack things on top of each other in, in whatever way they, you know, they see fit. So it's kind of like Legos. You know, they, they, they all kind of fit together to, to form something. But you can use them in different ways. You can flip them. You can go both directions. So we do that and also do a lot of mirrored footwork, which means whatever the footwork pattern is that we use going to the right, we use the same footwork pattern going opposite to the left so that your footwork, you've got an answer for everything. Uh, So, you know, we certainly, you know, there's certainly combinations that we'll work on and, you know, they'll kind of get lost and then we'll, we'll eventually get back to them. But that does that does happen from time to time. You know, it sounds like you're auditioning to be a, a judge on So You Think You Can Dance because, <laughs> it's, <laughs> right? It's exactly yeah. what they do on Broadway. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just baseline concepts. And so we don't want to work necessarily in choreography. We just want to give you, the player, the concepts to operate out of so that you can make it fit your game. And it's not me trying to tell you how to play or not me trying to say, hey, you do this in this situation or this in that situation. It's just giving you the skills to draw upon when certain things arise. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's the key. Uh, that's part of the talent we're talking about is the fact that on the fly, uh, in, in real time, very quickly, they can make those decisions. And I suspect that if you had a, if you worked with 100 players, Steph would probably be at the top of the list as far as quickness of decision making, too. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, his ability to see information, process information, and make quick and accurate decisions is is off the charts. I mean, it's his intelligence level is, is very high. And the fact that he's trained this way and done this now, this is our eighth year together. So, I mean, he's got a really solid foundation to draw upon uh, when he's out there. And, and so he's pretty much got an answer for everything now. 
Well, okay. Well, enough of the love fest for Seth. Let's let's get real for a minute here and talk a little bit about maybe some of the things that he does struggle with uh, that you feel like you've worked on, even like this summer. Are there things that you felt like were a real um, uh, an issue for him that you wanted him to overcome? Well, you know, we're always looking to expand things, and, and there, we're always looking to add things to his game. So, you know, one of the things that we continued to work on this year, and believe it or not, was was becoming a more balanced shooter. Um, you know, in, in different footwork situations. So not only did we have him do things, uh, you know, in a ball screen type setting and do things in transition, we also put his back to the basket a little bit and not meaning that we put him in the post or anything like that, but we put him in situations where there's certain cuts and there's certain things they do within their offense where he will sometimes catch the ball coming across the floor, but he'll catch it with his back to the rim. So we put him in a lot of awkward footwork positions uh, to force him to learn how to play and learn how to use his balance, uh, you know, starting by not facing the rim. And I think he did a really nice job with that. We also were able to transition him from straight line drives to the basket to where if he got cut off, we're able to transition from being a driver to being a back-to-the-basket player when you get cut off. Uh, and I thought he did a really nice job with that. And I think he's added a few things to his game that he should feel pretty comfortable with, comfortable enough to use this coming season. Oh, well, can we break some news? You know, give us an example of what he's added. Well, yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's it's no different than our, um, you know, it's no different than our, our footwork concepts facing the basket. We have a baseline concept, whether it be a baseline shoulder turn or a middle shoulder turn. And then we have counters for that. We normally go three counters deep. Um, but the counters are not predetermined, if that makes sense. You know, the counters are all based off of how he's being defended. Some of the counters involve ball handling. Some of them don't involve ball handling. So um, it's just like anything else. We're trying to give him as many answers as we can for every different potential situation that he would face. And, um, you know, for a guy like him that's always played facing the basket, for him to be able to, you know, catch it not only, you know, in, in the short corner or the, the extended corner or even around, you know, the elbow area and be able to have moves to make either, you know, to turn and take a shot, turn, go to the basket or turn and escape out to the three point line. You know, now we feel like he's got answers for all that stuff. You know, it's and, funny because we've seen him, you know, maybe even take a few more mid range shots, which seems like, you know, uh, craziness, but, mm-hmm. um, do you would this be something that you'd kind of go to Coach Kerr and sort of say, hey, you know, we've got these kind of things. Is there stuff on the offense we can create to get that, or are you just sort of relying on his individual creativity to get to those spots uh, that are now newly added to his game? Yeah, I think it's just more relying on his individual creativity. I mean, you know, the Warriors, <laughs> they've got a pretty good thing going. They're doing a pretty good job, and they got a really good handle on things. So, But it's just it's relying on Steph's creativity and, and his ability to realize and, and, and figure out what the defense is giving him. Because I think, you know, one of the things that's important early in the games is, you know, everybody's got to pick something to give up, right? You can't take everything away. So, you know, early in games or in certain situations, if they're going to give you the mid-range shot, then he's going to hit that shot. And the more you start to hit that shot, the softer the defense is going to be because they're going to start to realize that we have to cover that a little bit. And then more stuff on the perimeter opens up. So I think... Part of the strategy for him, you know, being able to get into the mid-range and make things happen there is to eventually open him up a little bit more on the perimeter uh, because people are not only have to respect him now going to the basket, but you have to respect the ability to stop in the mid-range. And, and that just, you know, forces players to play off of him a little bit more, which gives him more time and more space to either shoot a three or escape deeper into a one or two step deeper three. 
um, which he certainly has the the ability to hit. So, you know, it's it's making him a threat from 30 feet and in at every increment along the way. Uh, and that's what makes him so difficult to guard. And if you want to be difficult to guard, then you got to get into a serious pair of basketball shoes. And StockX is the best way to get the hottest new sneakers as they're just hitting the shelves. StockX is a revolutionary new marketplace for buying or selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. And here's the cool part about it. StockX uses the same principles as the stock market to make your purchases by giving you real-time market data for intelligent buying and selling. You'll see exactly how much an item has sold in the past and what it's selling for now. Best of all, StockX has removed the risk from buying and selling online. Total anonymity between buyer and seller. You'll never have to deal directly with a random buyer or seller again. StockX has experts that verify every item, making sure everything you get is 100% authentic. Visit StockX.com slash CoachNick now and you'll see what an incredible platform this is. That's StockX.com slash CoachNick. Now you know. Uh, is it safe to say that 30 feet is going to start to expand even farther as he gets further along in his career? <laughs> I don't know if we'll go much deeper than that, but I mean, he certainly is comfortable deeper than that shooting in workouts. Now, whether we, you know, we really want him taking that many shots from 30 plus feet, you know, that's, that's debatable, but, um, he certainly has the ability to hit it. You know, you've been working with Kerr long, I mean, sorry, with Curry long enough that, um, you've seen the evolution of the offense he's played in, uh, in Golden State. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wonder if, uh, do you think that if he had pl if he's playing currently on another team uh, uh, in, a, in a different style of offense, would he be able to be as good as he is now? I think so because he he, he adapts to every situation, and also I think that whatever team that he played for, the coaching staff would probably <laughs> right. adapt to him. Um, so I I don't think his success would change one way or the other. But um, I think that um, you know he's such an intelligent player. He he's he's you know again he's he's learned how to um, take what's given, and he's learned how to you know kind of force his hand and create what he wants. Um, that I don't think that will really change too much. Well, you know, there was a jump though, and, and you know, from his game in the first like three years or so until mm -hmm. you know maybe the fourth year or fifth year. And I'm kind of curious, you know, guys come in the league at certain abilities and they do work on their game, they do improve. So do you feel like uh, the, the level he's been playing at for the last several years, did, did he have the capability of doing that earlier in his career? Or was it simply a matter of he just needed to train and improve before he got there? Well, I think he had the capability, but it's just a matter of, you know, learning from the experiences, um, you know, that, that you go through during the season. So I think, you know, one of the things where, where the big jump kind of coincided was, yeah, he had a really big jump there years three and four, but also what coincided was with that first playoff experience with Denver and when they played Denver and San Antonio, I think the, the San Antonio series and the way that they were able to defend him and, and the success that they had in that series, kind of taking some things away from him. It really made him and it really made me as, as somebody that works with him as trainer, it made me kind of evaluate how we were doing things because, um, you know, I think that we were, we were kind of taking the traditional approach of, you know, we want to, you know, get, get in the mid range, get to the basket and everything's going to be like, you know, going to the basket. And we started to realize, you know, these guys are really big, they're really long, they're really athletic. 
sometimes there's not a lot of space in there, but where is there space? There's always space behind you and there's always space beside you. So that was the first summer that we really started working on escaping and getting back. And not that he wasn't working on shooting those deep shots before. He certainly was. But now we were working on shooting those deep shots from an escape standpoint. So we were starting at the three-point line. We were learning how to control the defender's footwork at the three-point line and then getting away when we needed to to get the shot up. Um, so I think it just took you know those experiences for all of us to kind of sit there and say, hey, how can we get better? How can we be more efficient in these types of settings when teams are really going to play you five, six times in a row? They get really you know, dialed into what you're doing. And, and I think that that series was really you know, transformative for him and his career because he saw you know, what a really well-coached, really you know, driven team does to teams in the playoffs. And I think that they, he learned a lot from that. Sure. Well, you know, here's the thing I noticed last night a little bit, and this could very well be my mind just, you know, maybe not as focused. It was happening without me seeing it last year, but it kind of felt like last year, maybe the year before, like his the dribbling stuff that he does, which is usually really fancy and really uh, it gets the crowd going, but does serve a purpose in the court as well. It kind of felt like he he didn't do it as much as he did even like last night. It seemed like mm-hmm. something about him, the way he played last night was he was doing a lot more combination dribble stuff to get open. Am I crazy or did that feel that way? Maybe last year he got into a different kind of rhythm. Got into a different rhythm. I think that, um, you know, the, the ball handling portion, there's, you know, there's a little bit more rhythm and simplicity, if that makes sense. It makes sense. And, and we do so much from a ball handling standpoint in the off season because we don't do a whole lot of catch and shoot shooting. So, you know, I try to get as much ball handling with him in as I can in our shooting, in our shooting sessions, our shooting drills, so that we're not spending a lot of time just dribbling the basketball. Um, and, you know, I think that, that he's gotten to the point now to where, He's so good with his body. He's so good with his footwork and he's so good with his balance that, you know, there's not a lot of herky jerky start and stop that is necessarily needed. Now, of course, he's going to pull it out from time to time. But I think now his footwork has gotten so good and he's so good with these three or four different ball handling moves that he likes to use. He doesn't have to get really, you know, complex with it he can be really simple you know we want to be very efficient we don't want to take too many dribbles and I think that there's a calmness and kind of an ease to him now uh, shooting off the dribble that where he can create that same space that he maybe used to have to do a little bit more to create with the ball with less dribbles and I think that's why you're seeing just kind of an easier look to what he's doing Fair. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it kind of felt that way because I feel like he would entertain a little bit more, and maybe as he's getting you know into this part of his career, it's more about efficiency and ruthlessness of, of destroying these guys in, in a quicker way. But I did notice that maybe maybe he was just trying to try some stuff out over the in the preseason as well, where he you know he had some extra combos. How many how many moves do you think he he does have? And you mentioned he has the three or four that he likes. You know, how many moves do you, does he have off the of dribble I mean, to shoot threes? It's it's kind of endless. I mean, because we have, again, we, we, we work on things mirrored. So if, if we have, uh, you know, what we call a right hand slide step on the right side of the floor, we have a left hand slide step on the left side of the floor. So, you know, that alone, that's two different moves. And then he, you know, he can do the same footwork going between his legs, the same footwork behind his back. So it starts to add up really quick. And then we have everything from shift steps to fall steps to throw across. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big number. He's got, like I said, he's got an answer. I, I don't, we haven't sat down and done the math on it, but basically the way that it, the system was designed was to give him infinite answers. There's always an answer. As long as the ball's alive and you're balanced, you've got an answer for it. Um, so, 
yeah, fair so that's kind of how we look at it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And, I, and I get that. You're right. You know, it's it is endless because you can combine the beginning of one part of a move with another, with the ending of another one. It's a whole new move that you probably haven't even seen before. There's probably, I would say, on each side of the floor, there's probably 15 to 18 that he's really, really comfortable starting with, and then he's got a combination behind all of them or a, con- or a counter behind all of them if he wants to go to it. So if you're kind of counting that, then you're looking at 30 to 36 moves total on each side of the floor, or total uh, for the entire floor that he's comfortable going to, and that's really hard to cover. Well, it's time for the argument section of the podcast because <laughs> when we were talking the other the, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I, here's what I do. When I study this stuff and I'm looking at guys and what they're doing, I, I feel like reverse engineering is a really important part of the process here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I look at, you, I think you had said something to the fact of you cannot use Steph Curry as a model for shooting the basketball and wanting to reverse engineer that and teach it. And I say, yeah. if he's the guy that's doing something we've never, ever seen before, well, maybe he's doing it right and we're all doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> response? Well, I think, you know, again, we I try to operate in concepts from a conceptual standpoint. I don't I don't try to operate in, you know, we do this, we do A, B, C, D. What I'm what I'm saying by that is, you know, when when I look at a shooter, okay, I think that we have to start with that shooter's movement mechanics first. And every shooter's movement mechanics are gonna be different. Some shooters are gonna have tight hips, some shooters are gonna have uh, some challenges from a thoracic mobility standpoint. Some shooters are going to have shoulder mobility issues. Some shooters are going to have tightness in their ankles that doesn't allow them to get completely square to the basket. So from a shooting standpoint, well, the reason I say you can't compare everybody to Stephen Curry and he's not a really, you know, not the end-all be-all comparison from that standpoint is because Stefan's physical limitations and physical challenges are different than everybody else's. So it's really hard to even compare shooter to shooter. Now, from a conceptual standpoint and how he uses footwork, how he creates space, how he changes speeds, how he stays balanced, how he finishes his shot, things like that, you can say, you can point to and say, hey, that's how you do it. But the entire process of picking the ball up off the floor and getting it from the floor to the finish of the jump shot is going to be from shooter to shooter. So it's really hard from a comparison's sake to say, well, you got to do it exactly like Stefan does it here or exactly like Clay Thompson does it there. Because, again, they do it two different ways because their physical, their physical challenges are different than everybody else's. So from a conceptual standpoint, I would agree that, yeah, from you, you want to look at all of the concepts that Stefan operates with from how he – Create space, how he finishes, how, but how he lands is going to be different than how other guys land. So it's just hard to say, hey, that's exactly how you do it because that's just not the case for every player. Um, and I think we have to take players on a case by case basis when we talk to start to teach mechanics to them. Uh, but the concepts do stay the same. Okay, I mean, and fair enough. And you know, because by the way, like some of the things we see, and what, well, I think what I'm extrapolating from is. Mm-hmm. Is is I'm trying to get away. I, I think I'm saying the same thing you are, which is we, we mm. want to get away from the cookie cutter. Like this Absolutely. is the absolute way you must shoot the ball. And because I, I used to torture my players and, and pull and stretch and yank to try and get their elbows and their shoulders in the right spots. Yeah. So to me, it's almost like, and, and the more I teach, the more I work on this, the less I actually do, which is interesting, right? I don't, I don't, I get more involved with okay, what you describe. I want the feet, I want the alignment, I want the release. But it, what happens in between is what your body does. Let me ask you this. So what we've seen a lot of Steph is, you know, when he brings the ball up from off a dribble, his mm-hmm. hand is like on the side of the ball. And only mm-hmm. as it's getting above by his shoulder length does the wrist come cock back and then actually get underneath the ball. 
Uh, is he that has a little related? bit of a rotation there. Yeah, there's there's a slight rotation there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of so you're saying you know because his right hand is on the side of the ball and as he goes up to shoot it, there's a rotation and his thumb ends up getting under the ball. Late. Um, yeah, it gets under well, there late. I shouldn't say late, right? It's 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 on time for him. <laughs> yeah, right? it works for him. But you know, and there there may have been something you know early in his life when he was taking a lot of shots where there was a challenge within his shoulder. I know he played baseball um, and he, he played golf. He did a lot of other things. You know, there could have that could have created maybe a little bit of tightness in there that caused that. But that's not something we necessarily need to fix because it's not really an issue. Um, you know, I think that when we're when we're looking at these things, there there's two things that that I need every shooter to be, and that's comfortable and confident. And there's going to be some some slight irregularities, you know, in everybody's shot. And I deal with the same thing when, I, when I'm teaching my sons how to shoot. My two sons shoot the ball completely different, but the result for both of them is pretty much the same. You know, the ball goes in a basket. Um, you know, and, and the one thing I like to tell a lot of coaches, especially, is, you know, we don't play basketball in a textbook, right? We don't play on a sheet of paper. It's not black and white. It's, it, it's all gray area. And it's all, you know, it's all individualized, too. And I think that that's important for us as coaches and trainers to understand is the way that we handle one player is never going to be exactly the same as we handle another player. Now, we can do the same drills and we can play the same shooting games and things like that. But when we start to get into it from a mechanic standpoint, even, you know, from a move standpoint, how we how what moves we make to get the ball uh, from the perimeter to the basket. I mean, some guys are going to be perfectly fine going between their legs because they've got great movement below their hips. Some guys are going to have a hard time going between their legs when they go to the basket just because there's so much tightness that they're dealing with uh, in their hips or in their lower back. So going behind the back is going to be a better move for them, which is going to limit them because when they get into traffic, you can't go behind your back. Um, so it's, you know, every player is going to be a little bit different. Every, everybody's got some different challenges and we have to make sure that we're teaching to that and we stay on the conceptual side, not the absolute side of teaching. Well, I think what's interesting here is that for so long, the basketball, you know, coaches didn't really have any sense of the biomechanics and how the functional movement of the body works. And I feel like, you know, you, you know, you're a rare breed here of person that actually has all the knowledge of the, of the functional movement and the basketball skills. And I don't know if it's realistic to expect that to change where, you know, more and more of the basketball guys can, can really master this stuff. So, like, what, what happens then as far as, as we try and progress and improve? And if the coaches are listening to this, like, how, how can they get closer to that knowledge without having to go back to school and getting all those letters after their name? Well, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody has to become a master at that or, or a genius at that. I think that it's important to have a really good basic understanding of functional movement and functional anatomy just in terms of, you know, what joint responsibility is from the ankle to the knee, the hip, you know, lumbar spine and thoracic spine, the role of each joint, understanding how each joint should be moving independently. I think those types of things are important because, you know, it, it, the information is so readily available to us now. It wasn't necessarily readily available to us 15, 20 years ago just because we didn't have the resources that we have now. But now we do have it, and it's, it's, it's a Google search away or it's an Instagram search away. It's all out there. And I think that, you know, as coaches and trainers, we're no different than players. We all tell our coach, our players that we want them, you know, we expect them to improve every day. You know, we as coaches and trainers have the same responsibility to our players that we improve each and every day as well. And the way we do that is through, you know, acquiring more knowledge. 
And I think that, you know, we're all basketball coaches and trainers for a reason because we all have really good basketball knowledge and basketball intellect. And, you know, the, the one way we can all really improve is to take the time and learn how young athletes' bodies work, how they develop, and how they operate. You know, because that's really the only way that we can effectively teach from a conceptual standpoint and not an absolute. And I keep going back to that because – you know, I have young young sons, and I see their coaches and and how they do things, and and there's still so much of that. This is how we've always done it mentality, and this is how we do things, and and I think that that's just a mistake, especially with young kids, because some of those kids just can't do the things that we're asking them to do, and it only leads to frustration not only for the coach, but it leads to frustration uh, for the player as well, and can lead to some confidence issues. So I think that you know we got to really take the time to learn how to help our players get better. And, and the one thing that all the players can improve upon every day is their movement mechanics. You know, we can we can show kids and we can show NBA players all the skill stuff we want in terms of ball handling, shooting. We can do all the drills. But if they don't have the requisite quality of movement and functional strength and core strength to actually execute those skills in a game, it's a waste of time. So we've got to go back and we have to look at how we're doing things and we've got to start with the basics of how do we move? What are the functional movements of basketball? How do we train those movements so that our players can execute that well first and then we add skill on top of that? And we and I think that, you know, all coaches should just kind of take a hard look at what they do. And, and you know, I think everybody's doing some really good skill stuff. But are we adding the, the movement refinement in there to help our players really execute those skills? And I think those are the things we should be looking at. For sure. And I, this is a, just to help anybody who's listening who might be getting frustrated thinking, like, I just don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I kind of feel like, uh, you know, even, even a simple, you know, and you, YouTube is a click away where there's uh, it's lots of stuff on, you know, these re- random channels that do videos on NBA and, and X's and O's. And they also might throw, uh, you know, uh, some encore demos in there as well. Uh, but you can see these, these, uh, those, tr- those uh, exercises where, like the lunge, for instance, where you see the guys, they, they do a big lunge and then maybe they lift up on the, on the front foot and then balance mm-hmm. on that. With the back foot straight behind them, I forgot what that's called. But if you can picture that, I, I would almost imagine that that would be one of your leading indicators uh, right off the bat of seeing players who can't keep their balance in a lunge, right, or can't yeah. keep their torsos. And that's easy to see. And I almost feel like, from a nervous system standpoint of the player himself, just working on that on their own would greatly improve a lot of the vertical stacking, a lot of the different kind of movement that they need to get to without having to have, you know, a doctor come in and, and assess them. And, and what we're talking about here, and it's something, you know, of course we spend a lot of time with Stefan working on that stuff in the offseason, but really it's just a matter of spending as a coach, uh, you know, especially at the high school, the middle school, the AAU level. It, it's really a matter of taking about eight to ten minutes at the start of your practice and just going through – a movement warm-up, and a lot of a lot of coaches do. They're going through a lot of active warm-up stuff now, and that's great. But just take a look at how you're getting ready and, and how your players are, 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 are allowing themselves to be in a more balanced position, a more functional position. Um, and, you know, I'm going to also start putting some things together, some educational materials that we can get out to coaches and, and that will be available here in the next few months. But, you know, it, it is really you just got to get to the point to where you can eyeball a few kind of uh, symptoms and but you know the key is to not treat the symptom to treat the cause and that's you know we had that discussion last week as well where we were talking about shooting the basketball and when we're yanking elbows and 
and risks trying to get them into place. That's a symptom of a bigger issue. So we got to treat the bigger issue, not the symptom. And um, you know, and, and you want to get to the point to where, as a coach, that you can kind of eyeball a few quick things to say, hey, what does this player really need to work on, or what is this player really going to struggle with, and to make sure we're working on the things that the player is really going to do well. And it's it's remarkable how much that really does unlock stuff. Even though even small things, you know, about balance and looking at the way they move. When you when they when you point it out and they're aware of that, even they can work on it. It really is. You can unlock you know ten, fifteen, twenty percent more athletic ability, but then that translates into the shooting as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the one thing I think you mentioned when you say confidence, you know, I, I kind of try and get away from that word because I feel like people could fake confidence or they could kind of just sort of swagger into a gym. It doesn't really mean anything to me. The tangible definition of that is the rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is their body firing in the sequence properly? And when you have that rhythm, that's when you feel as confident as you can possibly be, right? Where you almost have your favorite song in your head going as you're coming down the court. And that's what it looks like when Steph plays. And I'm kind of curious, do you, would you agree with that? And, and does, does music play a part of your training? Oh, music's a big part of what we do. We, I, don't, I can't remember the last workout we had where we didn't have music blasting. So the music plays a role, but, but also the way that we, we use the ball handling and the footwork. It, it's all designed to be rhythmic as well. Um, you know, I think that there, there are some shooters, I think there's quite a few shooters that actually can shoot the ball a little bit better off the dribble because the dribble and the move gives them more rhythm than just kind of standing still and catching the basketball. Um, you know, and I'm noticing that more and more with some of our young players that we have here around our facility that, you know, they actually shoot the ball and get into a better rhythm when they're coming off the dribble. Um, so I agree with you, and you know, uh, rhythm plays a, a huge role in it, a huge role in shooting the basketball, and, and how the pass is delivered, how you catch it, all that stuff plays a role in your rhythm as well. So there's a lot of little details to talk about right there. Um, you know, we, I like to tell young shooters, you know, you 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 score the ball before you ever catch it because you create your space before you even start to come off of the screen, and then once you catch the ball off the screen, you've got to have your rhythm. Um, so it's um, you know, there, there's a lot of teaching points to make there, but the rhythm certainly plays a, a huge role in how many shots and how you how you hit shots. Right, and what you just said kind of lends credence to what I keep saying, which is the triple threat is dead. Uh, s- certainly, in the sense that you're doing a lot of the work before you catch the ball, whereas in the past. The triple threat would have been the reading of the defense after you catch the ball when you're ripping through, ripping through, and it's just it's just not the way the game is played anymore. It's not. I mean, and, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the defensive concepts that, that coaches operate with now are, are so far superior, complex and athletic and, and fast and faster than what we used to see. Um, you know, and I, I'll tell this to players all the time, you know, you know, players continue to get bigger and faster. OK, but the court stays the same size. So in essence, the court is shrinking. And the ability to catch it, look over things, then make a move, like, that's kind of gone away. Um, you know, I, I heard some coaches, I, I, was, I can't remember the coach I was listening to the other day as I was watching a, uh, like a clinic DVD, but he was talking about how the one thing that they love to play against defensively is teams that dribble the basketball. People that, that catch it, look, and put the ball on the floor because every additional dribble allows help to get in better and better position. Um, so yeah, the triple threat, I mean, in terms of the concept and understanding that you can do three things with the ball and understanding that you can attack in different ways, that's great. But a lot of young players have to speed that process up quite a bit. Right. And, and there's no other way to do it than just by, by practicing live. Uh, you know, how, how much, how much defense are you throwing as, as, and I know we're going to wrap up in a minute, but how many, uh, 
How much do you think does uh, go into training staff in the summers, or is he just doing a lot of this uh, on his own without anybody? You we know? do uh, we do some dummy defense. We do some controlled pickup type scenarios that we play out of. Um, you know, we we try to of course limit the amount of potential contact that he could have, you know, landing or the potential contact that he could have you know, going up off the ground. Um, but we do. Uh, allocate a, a few minutes each each workout to where we'll take something that we just worked on against air and we'll immediately put a little bit of, of token defense uh, against it where he's at least feeling the weight of the defender at least you know having to feel you know which side the defender is favoring or leaning towards uh, so we do some of that and then we do we use some technology to uh, simulate uh, different reads that he would have to make uh, based off of where the defender's footwork is or, or where the defender is shading. Um, so th- there's different ways that we can kind of simulate that. Of course, it, nothing is as real as, as having you know, a live NBA defender in front of you. But you know, from our standpoint, in year 10, uh, you know, we've dealt with some, some little things in the past. Uh, from an ankle and knee standpoint, we want to try to limit that as much as we can in the offseason, um, but still try to you know, accomplish our goals. Uh, lastly, you know, the, the turnover thing is interesting because it kind of came up uh, where in, in the beginning he would, you know, the, the, the whole team would just throw the ball away so much and it drove people crazy. But here's the thing I think is interesting is as we've moved into a much more of a ball handling culture or a philosophy, right, and shooting off the dribble and all these different things. I don't know. It kind of feels like to me this is the new norm and like three turnovers a game or three and a half turnovers a game is 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 perfectly acceptable for a point guard. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you, you if you're not taking a few chances, you you can't play this game carefully. And, you know, and, and you know, to, to borrow a phrase, you know, it's the other guys get paid, too. And, uh, you know, they're they're pretty good defensively and, and they can be very disruptive with their hands. And, you know, sometimes they cause the turnovers and you just got to, you know, kind of tip your cap to them for making a better play than you made on that play. Um, so, I mean, I think turnover is going to happen as long as you're not getting, you know, uh, getting out of hand with it. I think you're okay. There, there's just several things, you know, you don't want to, you want to make sure you're, you're getting more shot attempts, more rebounds, more free throw attempts than the other team. So you can't allow your, your turnover number to affect that. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely the, you know, the ball's being handled more, the space is getting bigger. So passes are getting longer. Um, so there's going to be some turnovers. And I think that maybe is it that that kind of mindset that you just described is a what might cause some extra turnovers, but b allows him to be as good as he can be, right? Because if he if he if he ever tried to play carefully, it seems like he'd get blown off the court. Yeah, I mean, you want you want them to be, especially him. You want him to be just kind of free and free flowing, and you know, feel like he can take some chances because that's that's really what you have to do to beat some of these guys. I mean, they're 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 all great. They're there for a reason, and you've got to take some chances and do some things that are outside of the box sometimes in order to have success. So, um, last thing, what's your what's your expectation for this year? He's he's you know his field goal sorry his true shooting percentage last year was a uh, uh, second highest in his career. He's uh, mm-hmm. the uh, second highest or highest sorry second highest free throw percentage as well. So you know what are the, some of the goals you guys have this year to see him you know achieve as far as offensively? Well, I think you know we're constantly talking about efficiency, and we're talking about efficiency from all aspects, whether it be. Uh, again, talking about numbers of dribbles, uh, you know, talking about getting from spot to spot, 
uh, talking about physical efficiency and, of course, you know, taking better shots and being an efficient shooter. So, you know, we want to continue to improve upon his efficiency from that standpoint, uh, continue to be uh, and get better at being a tough shot maker because we know teams are going to get, you know, more and more creative and aggressive with how they try to take things away from him. So, um, you know, it's you know, I know it sounds crazy, but we talk about being a better shooter all the time. <laughs> so, so you want him to? He's gonna. His goal is to score more than KD this year. Is that what you're telling me? No, <laughs> no, nah, that's not really something we talk about. I mean, as long as they're winning games, I think everybody in that locker room is pretty happy. Yeah, uh, so that's not necessarily something we talk about. But you know, we want him to take the shots that are there and take the shots that are there to to, to help his team win games. And you know. Um, you know, just be be focused and efficient for 82 games and, and ready to go for the playoffs when that time comes. And I, you're not going to weigh in on who's better, Steph or KD, right? I mean, they're both great. I don't I don't really know how you choose one or the other. I mean, they're both, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you know the best one of the best players at their at their respective positions, especially the best players at their styles that's, that's ever played. So it's really difficult to choose one or the other. Well, good answer. Good answer. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for coming on the show today and breaking that down. I know a lot of people will be fascinated to hear more. And you know what? We're going to get on the court one of these days. I'm going to have to get to where you are, I think. Get, let's get on the court. We'll get a camera. Let's film a couple of these concepts and so people can really see what we're talking about. Absolutely. Love to do it. Thanks awesome. for having me. Well, thanks for coming on the show. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, I'm not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Brandon? I'm in. <laughs> <laughs>